Welcome back, everybody, to No Degree Necessary. I'm Griffin Foster. Super Bowl! Oh my god, he switched it up. I'm Max Booglitch. <laughs> what about what a do? No, I think that at least for the next two weeks, it has Ran to be Super course. Bowl. I like it. Um, well, this is our 71st episode, and uh, if you uh, didn't hear Max... Super Bowl! <laughs> um, the Super Bowl is finally among us. The best team from the AFC, the best team from the NFC are going to meet up in Miami. And it is the Chiefs versus 49ers. I'm personally very excited for this game. I know Max is very nervous, as he should be, uh, for this game, but also excited that they're in the Super Bowl. So let's start it off with our AFC Championship recap. It was the Titans with uh, Derrick Henry, who was on a hot streak against the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. So uh, what was your thought on this game? Well, I thought that this game was pretty indicative of what the Chiefs have been over the last few weeks, which is a team that starts slow and then really comes out hot in the second quarter and then in the second half. Because at the beginning of this game, it really felt like the Titans had everything rolling. The game was played exactly how you would want it, which was Henry was good. They obviously had a really good game plan to try to slow him down, and that allowed Ryan Tannehill to have a lot of success in the first two quarters through play action. And they went up 10-0 to at one point, and then obviously 17-7. to And it really felt like at the very least they were going to be leading at halftime and going into the second half feeling good, having a chance to have one of the better Super Bowl runs in the history of the National Football League because beating the Patriots, Ravens, and then Chiefs would be one of the most impressive runs ever. And it felt like we were heading towards at least a really tight finish. And then all of a sudden, the guy that last year I said was a future Hall of Famer became really a legend in NFL history because what he's doing right now on the football field is completely unprecedented for a guy that's this young, and he is just unstoppable. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. I don't think it's close, and I also think that he has a chance to go down as the best quarterback of all time. Um, I feel like I was early on this train because I see some people in the media now that it's like Super Bowl week and they're trying to hype it up. I see a couple people saying he's a potential Hall of Famer, and I just want to pat myself on the back because I felt like I was ahead of the curve on Patrick Mahomes being this great. But at the same time, I even underestimated how good he'd be because he, like that run that he had, it was a combination of a great run, but also kind of the rule changes. People don't want to kill quarterbacks anymore. I felt like Rashad Evans really could have blown him up there at the, on the sideline, and he kind of laid off. But for him to break that many tackles and get into the end zone and completely flip the momentum heading into halftime. And really, I think at that point, I think that play buried the Titans because they needed to have at least some sense of a belief heading into the locker room that they could stop this guy. And I felt like holding them to a field goal in that possession was crucial. And the fact they weren't able to do it ended up going into the halftime down 21-17. to I think that ended their season. And the Chiefs defense really stepped up in the second half. They slowed down Derrick Henry, only three and a half yards of carry, under 70 yards, super impressive. And then Tannehill, even though he started hot, he did not have the same success in the second half that he did in the first half. 
and it ultimately led the Chiefs behind that improved defense and the greatest quarterback in the league to make it to the Super Bowl. And I don't think this is the last time we're going to see Patrick Mahomes winning the AFC Championship game. Yeah, obviously this game was highlighted by him and his play. Back-to-back games, he's played uh, phenomenal uh, out of his mind. And he got it done as a runner, too. He ended the day as a Chiefs leading rusher, and everyone saw that highlight 29-yard touchdown run that he had, which was super impressive and uh, definitely a big highlight of this postseason so far. In terms of just the game in general, they need to stop starting off slow, and this could be because the Titans have been hot and they have been starting out quick, but um, they also started slow against the Texans. A lot of that was kind of like freak plays, like black punts and stuff like that, but still, um, that's something that is hard to come back from. So I think they need to fix that up, obviously, but they did great. Their defense, like you mentioned, in the second half to stop the best rusher in the league as well as not let Tannehill do anything was super impressive. Uh, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, played unbelievable. He had a great game. Uh, but obviously, like I said earlier, like you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes is definitely the highlight in carrying this team. And like you said, it's unprecedented for someone so young to come up this big in the playoffs. It's very impressive, and I think he's definitely, I'm with you, with the best in the league. I, I'm pulling up on the Hall of Famer and the greatest of all time that I've seen because obviously I think there's uh, a lot to be accomplished before you get that title of greatest of all time, which Max Kellerman's thrown around here like it's nothing. But uh, I think he obviously has the potential. How could, how could you not see that after what he's done his first, technically his first two starting years in the league? Uh, he's, he's put up great numbers and has shown that arm talent. So I think you could definitely argue he's one of the most talented of all time, but greatest of all time is, is not there yet. But he's still a great kid, and I think he's, like you mentioned, he's, he, he's going to be here a lot. Uh, he's going to be here a lot unless something drastic changes. Hopefully his health stays intact throughout his career and there's nothing drastic there but this Chiefs team looked great especially uh, very encouraging from that defense to be able to stop Derrick Henry and uh, stop that offense as a whole and then we already know what we're going to get out of this offense in Mahomes so I think this was a great win by the Chiefs to uh, finally get this uh, AFC championship that they wanted last year Uh, weren't able to get it but now they're going to the Super Bowl down Miami and it should be a great game yeah and I know that I, we're going to play against this guy, but I think we're looking at a team that potentially could be the next like Patriots-type dominance in the AFC. I think the Ravens are going to be in there, and there's always a couple other teams that come from nowhere um, in the NFL season in and season out. But if you look at just one play away from last year where D. Ford was offsides and the yeah. interception killed them and obviously lost them the game, um, it would have been an interception, I should say. But if that play doesn't happen, I think they win the Super Bowl last year. And then yeah, I don't know if that changes the impact of this year, but they could potentially be in back-to-back Super Bowls in this guy's first two years starting, which is pretty Brady-esque if you look early on in his career, which is kind of this thing that, the thing that happened with him, which he came onto the scene really fast as a young guy. That was more of a defense-led thing, and he was kind of – more of managing the game at that point of his career. But what Mahomes is doing, basically with no run game, because he's led his team in rushing both of these playoff games, not just this game, it's really crazy to see. And last year when they lost the AFC Championship, I was pretty upset because I 
I was worried that because it is really hard to get back here because we talk about Aaron Rodgers. Um, he won the Super Bowl when he was 26 years old, and he's never been back to another Super Bowl after a lot of people thought he would be there year in and year out. So for Mahomes to be able to make it back to this point and achieve success in this point, um, it's really, really big for his career going forward. And I think that win or lose the Super Bowl, I trust Andy Reid with a lot of those guys still under contract. Tyreek Hill got the extension. Travis Kelsey's still under contract for next year. Like, they're still going to have a lot of weapons around him. And as long as that defense is just somewhat functional, they're going to be one of the best three or four teams in the AFC for years to come. Yeah, I agree. And we could talk about Patrick Mahomes for for hours here, but I think we need to give credit to Andy Reid as well for what he's come up with. That offense is amazing, and the the pieces in Kelsey and Hill have played fantastic. So I think that whole offense is is insane and obviously Mahomes being the centerpiece of that uh controlling it so what he's done uh speaking of Andy Reid I think is phenomenal uh with that whole team and I think like you mentioned we're gonna see success in Kansas City for uh a long time down the road yeah I agree so let's move on to the NFC championship game the 49ers really dominated this game it got up 27 to 0 and from that point it was basically over so they're on to the Super Bowl, which is pretty crazy. Um, awesome. I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're at this point. But we're going to Miami, Griffin. <laughs> yes, we are. And uh, obviously, I'm going to let you talk about this recap game first, being that you were there. And it's your squad. So, Max, let me hear it. What, what was uh, your thoughts? If you told me before this game that we were going to throw for 77 passing yards, I wouldn't have believed you. Like, I don't think that there was any way that a team would throw for this few of yards and still score the amount of points that we did. But the fact that we were able to manage 37 points with only 77 passing yards and eight pass attempts, that was the most shocking thing. And that was my biggest takeaway from this game because... A lot of people are using that as a slight against our team, but I actually look at that as a positive thing because I don't think that you're going to be able to stop both of these teams, specifically looking ahead to the Super Bowl. I don't think you're going to be able to stop the rushing attack and the passing attack because we were a really good passing team this year and one of the top five efficiencies as a passing offense, and that's kind of what Shanahan's MO has been his whole career was dialing up really creative passing plays. And the fact that we were able to run it 29 times with Raheem Mostert for 220 yards and four touchdowns was one of the craziest things and probably the most surreal experience I've ever had at a a game in my life. Because when I'm looking up at the scoreboard and I see that it says Raheem Mostert, has he's the first player in NFL playoff history to have over 200 yards and four touchdowns. I, I don't really know how to comprehend that. Like, we're three days removed from that game, and I still don't really understand what happened because this is the guy that everyone's talking about his story now because of his performance, but it really is miraculous that he's been on seven different teams throughout his career, and he's never had over 20 carries except for once in college. Like, his entire career since high school. He's basically been 
a backup running back and a special teams guy. And the fact that he was able to come out in this game and have this great of a performance, I just feel really happy for him. And this team is just something special because, I mean, it's just really unique. You don't see a team that throws it eight times unless it's like a a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill where you don't expect it. But Jimmy Garoppolo is like, he's not a slouch. Like, he's like one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. And for him to be completely fine and celebrating like he's the one having all that type of success, it's just a really unique team. And I'm really happy that I've been able to experience this. And win or lose the Super Bowl, I'm always going to love this team. But I feel really good about their chances going into the Super Bowl because, I, like I said, I don't think the Chiefs defense has the ability to both stop our outside run scheme and our passing attack. I feel like it's going to look a lot like the first quarter and a half with what the Titans tried to do with run the ball and play action. I think that's what's going to be our formula going into that Super Bowl. And our defense it's gotten back to the form that we saw in the first eight weeks, which allowed us to get off to that 8-0 start. Because now that we have D Ford back, who played his most snaps this week since week one, now that we have Quan Alexander back, and now that we have Joukowsky Tart back, this team looks a lot more like a dominant defense that we thought they were compared to what we saw over the latter half of the season. And I think that going against Patrick Mahomes is going to be an incredible tall task to slow him down. But if anyone can do it, it is this defense, because I think we're the number one passing team uh, defense in the league. And in the history of football, top two defenses in the Super Bowl are 15-5 and five straight up. So we're going to see whether or not the elite offense in the Chiefs prevails over this elite defense in the 49ers. But I think a lot of people are not taking into account how good this 49ers offense is. So I'm not going to give my official pick for the Super Bowl because I think we're going to dive more deep into that game next week. But I think you can tell from the way I'm talking which way I'm leaning. <laughs> um, yeah, we will dive into the whole Super Bowl preview in our next pod, but there's a lot of interesting matchups, uh, and it's really offense versus defense uh, in terms of like elite, elite uh, teams here, so... It's definitely something interesting to keep an eye on, and uh, make sure you tune in for the next one where you'll hear our picks, and uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know Max's, but uh, you can definitely hear mine, too. So, in terms of the NFC Championship game, uh, yeah, the 49ers dominated. I wasn't surprised. Uh, we both have been skeptical of the Packers this whole year. We both didn't think they were a 13-win team, thought they were less than that, and it showed in this game. 49ers dominated on every aspect. Their defensive line that showed up all season and against the Vikings uh, the week prior did the same thing again, uh, not giving Rodgers time and keeping them uh, not comfortable back there in the pocket. And then the huge, huge guy that uh, everyone wants to talk about is Raheem Mostert. Unbelievable performance, and I think that's a testament to this run game that has been unstoppable at times. We saw it. Uh, last week against the Vikings where they ran it every single play and scored a touchdown on a drive. That's something that is very, very hard to do. And when you can't stop it, it's impossible to play defense against this kind of team. So I think the Chiefs, obviously, that's going to be priority number one. And then, like you said, it's not like it's it's a Titan situation where you, you stop Derrick Henry and you win the game. Like the, the 49ers have gotten it done when they need to. Uh, passing the ball too. You can't forget about Kittle. 
Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel, who had a fantastic game. And if you remember, the first drive of the 49ers, it was passing primarily, hitting Debo for a deep ball, hitting, actually hitting him twice uh, for a shorter and then a, a deeper ball. It looked like 49ers were getting whatever they wanted to uh, in that aspect. So it's not like they couldn't pass. It's just that the run was working so well. Uh, why stray away from it? So it's I'm not seeing it as uh, if you stop the run, the Chiefs, you have, you're have going to win the game because there's a whole other aspect to that. And that's something we can talk more about next pod. But I think it was uh, really assuring just to see this run defense do it again against another team. Sorry, this uh, run offense, my bad. Uh, against another team and have the same kind of success and one individual guy just have a huge, uh, huge day. Um, Tevin Coleman, he he's out, correct? Uh, Shanahan said he has a chance. They like His shoulder was dislocated, so they popped right. it back in. Right. So because it's football, that doesn't mean you're out like a month. It means you might play next week. Right, so obviously having uh, the week break too helps with that. So I think if they're able to have him and continue to run uh, their like five running backs <laughs> system that they got going, um, they'll be fine. So a lot of talent back there in that running back uh, room and uh, a lot of confidence in that going forward. So we'll talk about that more again. Like I've said before, uh, it should be a very fun game to talk about. Uh, two really good teams who both deserve to be here. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. Let's move on. Let's talk about Eli Manning. Haven't really talked about him a lot since uh, Daniel Jones kind of took over, but he retired. He finally retired. A lot of people were skeptical if he was going to come back, he was going to go to another team, this, that, this. But he finally retired as a New York Giant. So after his luscious career, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I think that this is going to probably be a really big topic over the next couple of days because of how yeah. up and down his career was. Because if you look at just like the seasons, how many times he made the playoffs and whatnot, it's actually crazy how many times he actually missed the playoffs and compared to the times that he made it. And outside of those two Super Bowl runs, he really only has one playoff win. So I know you can't really take away two Super Bowls, but... It's actually crazy how Jekyll and Hyde his career was because if you just take away a couple of crazy plays, he's probably not remembered the way he is. And I also think that because he's Peyton Manning's brother, it also probably gives him a little bit more of a bump just because of that name. But with all that being said, I do think he's a Hall of Famer just because I'm more of a believer in the... the there's a lot of definitions of what a Hall of Famer is, but the one that I really like the most is can you tell the history of football without mentioning this guy's name? And you cannot talk about the last two decades of football without talking about Eli Manning just because he has two of the best wins in playoff games that you're ever going to see in Super Bowls, I should say. But beating that 18-0 Patriots team in the fashion that he did leading that game-winning drive, having that crazy play where he got out of the sack and then threw it up to David Tyree for the helmet catch. Like, that is a play that we're going to see for the rest of our lives on Super Bowl highlight reels, on best plays in NFL history. Like, that is a play that you're never going to see again. And he had another one of those in the following Super Bowl in 2011 
when he beat our 49ers in the uh, NFC Championship game. Heartbreaker. But he had another crazy play to Mario Manningham on the sideline, which was probably one of the yeah. better throws you're ever going to see in Super Bowl history. Like the fact that he was able to fit it in that tight of a window in a game-winning drive to go and beat another Patriots team that was really, really good, like that's really impressive. And if you look at just his stats, because it was a passing league, he obviously has a really good um, stat line just as overall. He's seventh all-time in passing yards, seventh in passing touchdowns. Um, his record is pretty crazily 117 and 117. So I guess he retired at the right time before going under 500. But for me, I do think he's a Hall of Famer just because you can't take away those two Super Bowl runs and talk about the history of football. His name is going to live in the history of the league for the rest of time. And a couple of those plays that he made and he was a part of are going to be on replays, like I said, in every single Super Bowl for the rest of our lives. Interesting. So, it's a compelling argument. I feel like he's one of the guys where it's very close. I'm going to say no. And it's because we have different criteria. I understand what you're saying. You know, if, if it's, he's part of the league, you know, obviously the big plays he's made. And I'm... I'm forever grateful for Eli, despite him being in the division, the same division as the Eagles, and having to face him two times a year as much as we did. Um, I don't think I'd be able to handle the Patriots having an undefeated season. I don't like Patriots fans saying being able to say that. I don't. I I, I can't imagine it. So I'm I'm very thankful for him in that aspect. But just in general, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, like you mentioned. The big thing is he, he doesn't even have a winning record in his career. That's crazy to me. You talk about the playoff uh, appearances. That's crazy. You talk about the wins outside of the, the Super Bowl runs. Like, outside of those two Super Bowl runs, like, what does he have? It's, yeah, but it's, he has two Super Bowl runs and two Super Bowl MVPs, which is unbelievable. Right, but you can't see. This kind of is similar to the Edelman conversation, in my opinion, because he has great playoff stats. Obviously, has the Super Bowls, but his regular season wasn't that great. Nothing special. So I know quarterback is a whole another position, but I think you have to kind of use the same aspect here of saying how important is Super Bowls and how important is playoffs compared to not producing in the regular season and. I, I think those stats where he's top 10 and stuff is can obviously be misleading. Um, people are retiring early. It's about how long you've played. Um, that's not the only thing, obviously, but the longer you play, obviously, the more stats you're going to put out, even if it's average numbers. So I'm not too big on that. I think the main thing is just his overall record. And sure, he has two Super Bowls, and it was against arguably the greatest team of all time in that Patriots team. But I don't think he deserves to be at that Hall of Fame level considering the majority of his career outside these two fantastic seasons that he had. You know, he played a lot more than just two seasons, and for the rest of those, it wasn't Hall of Fame material. So I want to take out the, the well, not take out, but I, I think you can't just disregard everything else and just say, well, he has two Super Bowls, but there's a lot more to it. So that's why I'm saying Eli isn't there. 
I think he's close. Like I mentioned when I started, I think he's fringe. Those obviously Super Bowls help a lot, but I think if you consider everything that he's done in his career, I don't think he's done enough to be considered as a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm with you on the fringe, but I'm gonna say he's fringe, but he's in. If you get what I'm saying, fringe, but um, yeah, I I think that because it's not just the two Super Bowl rings, but it's the fact that he won MVP in both of them, and he led game-winning drives in both of them, to go along with. You can say the stats are a little bit fabricated, but top ten in both, you can't deny that. And I think that he might not be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but when push comes to shove, eventually you're going to see him make it into the Hall of Fame, especially considering he has that Manning last name. But I like that we disagree. We got to see two different opinions on that, and I'm sure that it's going to be a very split conversation going forward in the media as well. So let's move on to the NBA All-Star game. I believe the All-Star starters are coming out tomorrow night, and then the reserves come out next week. But we wanted to do our own All-Star predictions before they come out. So we're going to switch gears over to the NBA and talk about the All-Star game. And I'm really excited about this. This was one of my favorite topics that we did last year because I think it's really controversial with a lot of these guys, especially on the bench. And this year, especially in the Eastern Conference, I found it was really tough to get seven reserves. So let's dive right in. Which one do you want to start with, West or East? Uh, Let's start. Let's go West. Okay. So let's do the Western Conference starters. I think it's pretty clear cut which five guys are the starters. Yeah, I agree. So I'll let you read your list, and then probably we're going to agree. Okay. So first start off with LeBron James. Uh, he's had a fantastic the, the fantastic year this year. Uh, his crazy, what is it, seventeenth year, eighteenth year? Uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. He's thirty five years old. Um, he's averaging twenty five, seven, and eleven assists, shooting fifty percent from the field and thirty four percent from three. I think he definitely deserves it. The Lakers are sitting at the top of the West, uh, and they've played a great game, great season. Uh, to go along with him, I'm going to go with his teammate Anthony Davis. I think he's having uh, a, a great year as well, uh, averaging about 27 points, 9 rebounds, and 2.6 blocks a game, shooting 50%, 30% from three. I think he's fantastic. Uh, he's, he's absolutely killing it. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a really talented forward. And, you know, the record and everything speaks for itself. Third, I'm going with Luca. Love the guy. I know you're a big fan of him too. Uh he's played amazing. He's definitely in this running for sure. Can be considered for the MVP running as well. Uh, Having a great year. He's 20 years old, averaging 29 points a game, 9.7 rebounds, and 9 assists. That's incredible. Uh, He definitely deserves this starting nod for sure. And then the last guard I'm going with is none other than James Harden. Um, Averaging 37 points a game, incredible. Averaging seven assists to go with that. And he's shooting uh, 36% from three, which is a higher percentage than Luka and uh, a higher percentage than Anthony Davis and a higher percentage than LeBron James. So, or sorry, no, it's, wait, is it above LeBron? 
Yes, it is LeBron, above LeBron. <laughs> uh, so uh, considering the amount of volume threes he takes a game to be shooting a high three-point percentage, which is above league average, like that is tremendous and in itself uh, super impressive. So um, I could talk about Harden and the disrespect he gets for, for days. But uh, that's my Western Conference starting five. Yeah, we have the exact same starting five. Um, wait, did you say your fifth guy? Yeah, I said Luca, James. Uh, I don't think you said Anthony your fifth guy. Davis. You said LeBron, Luca, oh, Harden, Anthony Davis. Yeah, Kawhi. Okay, we Kawhi, have the same sorry. five. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, miss Kawhi. Um, yeah, he's he's playing amazing this year again. They're uh, averaging twenty seven points. Shooting high percentages everywhere, and uh, it's pretty self-explanatory why he deserves that third uh, forward spot here. He's he's a great player and well-deserved. Yep, so now that you said your fifth guy, we have the exact same starting <laughs> Um There we go. Yeah, I'll just talk about each guy a little bit. Um, Harden, I agree with you. He's been very slighted, and I think that that's just going to become his career arc, but he's had a rough week and his average is all the way down to 37 points per game. So that's tough. You know, I wonder what averaging 37 points per game is like and then getting the hate that he gets. So I don't know. (laughs) Um, Luca, it's crazy that he is 20 years old and he's doing what he's doing. Um, I think right now he's second in MVP behind only Giannis. So great for him to just have these numbers right now. It sucks that they lost Dwight Powell last night to an Achilles. I think they need to make a move to find another guy for him because they're kind of slacking against some of the top teams in the West, which is what's going to happen in the playoffs. LeBron and AD, the Lakers, they're a lot better than a lot of people anticipated, including myself, as far as the regular season and the immediate success they've had. So I think that they deserve to have both those guys as the starters. And then Kawhi, the Clippers have been kind of an up-and-down team, but they've had a nice win streak here. They've won eight of the last ten, and now they're all the way up to the second seed. It's a really close race between them, Denver, and the Jazz, but I think that them being the two seed definitely puts him as the starter, and then as far as if they get anyone else, that's going to be up for debate. But do you want to do the East starters first, or do you want to just knock out the West and do the bench? Uh... I think we knock at the West. Okay, so let's move on to the bench. Um, I'll go first for this one because you did the starters. But yeah. I think that there's three locks that I would say are guaranteed to make the all-star team. And then I think there's four spots that are really up for grabs, and it's a matter of personal preference who you think should get in. So mm-hmm. my locks, I think Damian Lillard is going to make the all-star team. Um, I know they're not having as much team success, but him statistically is still having an amazing year. He's averaging 28 points per game right now and six assists on basically the same percentages he shot last year, 37% from three, 45% from the floor. So he's having a really good year. I think he's a lock to make it. I think this year's Donovan Mitchell's first year to make the all-star team. I think he's a lock given how much success he's had with that team and the fact that his average is all the way up to nearly 25 points per game this year. I think he's going to make it. His percentage is still very high at 46, one of the highest for basically how high of a volume shooter he is. It's still a very good percentage. 
And I think that the way he has that Jazz team playing as of late, he's going to make this team and get that recognition that I think he deserves. And then lastly, I think you have to put Jokic in there just because of how much success Denver's had. And I know that you're kind of a critic of how much he can score, but I think he's shown that he can win in a variety of different ways, having that 47-point game that he had a couple weeks ago and being able to lead this team um, with the way he facilitates the ball. I thought he had a slow start to the year, but he's really come on strong, as has this team. So those are my three locks. And then after that, I think you're going to put two more guards and two more forwards slash centers in there. So in the discussion, I think you have Russell Westbrook, Devin Booker, DeMar DeRozan, Paul George, Brandon Ingram, Rudy Gobert, and Carl Anthony Towns. So I think those are the seven guys that I'm looking at for these four spots. And I think that if I'm looking at just from a team production standpoint and also just from raw stats, I'm going to give the nod to my guy. But I think that Booker's finally off that list of awful team great stats guy because at least now they're somewhat respectable and they're in that playoff hunt for that eighth seed in the Western Conference. They've won 18 games this year, which is pretty on par with a lot of these other guys' teams that I'm talking about. So I think that he's finally going to get over that hump, make the all-star team, And considering he's averaging 27 points per game, it's a pretty good year to do it. And the fact that he's shooting 51% is unreal. So I'm going to give him his props. I think this is by far his best season as a pro. So good for him to get over that hump. I also have Russell Westbrook in there because I think that over the last few weeks with Harden struggling a little bit compared to what he was doing early on in the year, Russ has had a really quietly good year. And I know that their team is on a four-game losing streak right now, so it's kind of hard to look at those two guys and think that maybe they deserve two All-Stars. But Russ's stats are really, really good this year, even though he's not getting that triple-double number. I think he's had a really good year quietly, and he deserves to be on this team. So those are my two guards. So I'm going to leave DeMar DeRozan out of this conversation. I don't think that... His numbers, just compared to those two guys, is as good. And then also Russ's team success is above the Spurs. So even though DeMar's had an incredible run here, where he's scoring over 20 points per game on over 50%, I don't think he's going to make the All-Star team this year. So for my two forward spots, slash center, I gave it to Carl Anthony Towns. Um, I just think that I wanted to put one more true big in there. So I was looking at him versus Rudy Gobert. And I decided to give it to Cat, and I think he'll probably get in because I don't, I don't think the media and the coaches are going to give two all-stars to the Utah Jazz. And then my last one, this one was really hard because when you're looking at the Clippers, you're like, they probably deserve another guy, but Paul George hasn't played enough games where I think that he deserves to make it. So I decided to give the last spot to Brandon Ingram. And I know that you're probably going to give it to him because when we talked NBA last time, you talked about how you thought he was going to make the all-star team. And he's had a great year. I think that with Zion coming back tonight, they have a real chance to make this eight seed. And his improvement from the floor as a passer, as a shooter from the three-point line, it's really evident. And I think that he has really made that leap in New Orleans this year. So, I just wanted to give him the recognition and let him have
have this final spot on the all-star team. All right. Um, so we have the same, same one um, pretty much. Okay, I'm still, uh, there's one spot. The last spot I still haven't decided, believe it or not. Okay. Um, but let me just run through everyone. The locks that you had are the same, except for Jokic. Uh, Damian Lillard, 27 points. You don't think Jokic is a lock? I, I would rather take Cat than You're Jokic. on crack cocaine, Griffin. He's, out, he's only averaging six assists this year, which is a lot. I, it doesn't matter. They, they, they're going to get an all-star because they're the third seed well, in the Well, obviously, right I know, but I'm just saying, should he be a lock? Yes. That's where I don't think so. I think Cat is having a better year than him. But I, I, I don't think, I'm not going to call anyone a lock in the center because I feel like uh, Gobert, like you mentioned, is also a possibility, but I don't think he'll make it because, like you mentioned, it's, it's kind of like a politics thing. If, if you're doing good, you need an all-star in there, despite if they're playing at that level. But nonetheless, Damian Lillard definitely deserves it. Uh, 27, 7.5, uh, he's an uh, unbelievable guard. Donovan Mitchell, I'm with you too. I think he's a lock there too. He's played fantastic, and I think they've won a lot of their games recently. So by the time this gets closer and closer, I think they're going to be a better and better team. And the numbers he's put up with a, a shooting percentage is something to look at and definitely deserving of his first all-star not there. Um, next, we'll, I'll talk Jokic. I think he does deserve to be here. Don't get me wrong. But he's having a down year from last year, obviously, where people were talking uh, uh, MVP for him, which uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of. But uh, he's, still, he's still putting up good numbers, averaging – Right now, 19, shooting 50%, which is good. Uh, 32%, which is from three, which is up from his last year. Um, and then 10 rebounds, six assists, a little bit of a dip from last year. And uh, that, that says it there. So uh, he's still having a good year. I'm not saying he's not, but I think Cat, talking about Cat, um, going over to him, I think what he's done this year is uh, really great. Averaging what he's averaging. Um, has been amazing. And I know he's always had great numbers throughout his career. And it, it, it's tough with that Timberwolves team not being that great. But uh, to put up the numbers he's having with his efficiency, and he's shooting over 40% from three, which is crazy. And it's not like he takes one through a game. He's taking a lot of threes a game, and he's just turned into an elite shooter. Uh, and that's not even mentioning you know the rebounds that he gets. He, he's averaging four assists this year. Uh, and he's, he's done good on the defensive end, which has kind of been an issue at points. So um, I think he's had a great year, and he deserves that spot as well. So I'm giving Cat uh, and Jokic those spots. Uh, Devin Booker moving on. I think he is also a guy that you have to include here. Uh, everyone knows, especially Max, I love Devin Booker, and I think he should have made it last year. Uh, even though their team wasn't too great, he was – putting up great numbers on a bad team, which some people think it's easy, but um, I, I think it's it's more than that. You know, he's, he's getting the same kind of shots he got last year, this year, and he's putting up the same numbers except for a higher shoot percentage, which is great, uh, both from the, from the field and from three. He's averaging uh, 51 right now compared to 46 
last year, and then he's up four percentages uh, from three point from thirty two up to thirty six. So that's impressive. Hopefully, he can keep that going the whole season. But uh, overall, his numbers have been great past couple of years, and this year it's sticking out because they have more wins. But I think he's a great player, and he definitely deserves his first All Star nod. Next, I'm going with Russell too. Russell Westbrook, he's had great numbers, and like you mentioned, I don't know if the Rockets right now deserve it, but uh, I think it's it's stupid to kind of just leave him out of that because of that. Um, the numbers he's put on have, have been great, doing what he typically does. You know, his efficiency is up from last year. Uh, his three-point percentage went down, which is uh, not encouraging. It's down to 23% right now, which obviously hurts, but... He's averaging 25 points total, which is uh, an increase from last year as well. And um, everything else, what he's done for that team, he's he's really stepped up. And at times, he's looked like the best player on that team, even though I think James is the best player. But there's times where he's stepped up uh, and really uh, proven what he's about. Now for the last spot, um, this is where I, I as well, I'm thinking Paul or Brandon Ingram. And like you mentioned, I have said Brandon Ingram, but I'm I'm still really critical of his defense. Uh, I don't really like what his defense brings, and everyone knows what Paul does defensively. So I think I'm going to switch it up from you and go with Paul George. I think he's having a good year as well. Uh, he deserves it. He's a super, super talented player, and I think people expected more out of this Clippers team. But um, what he's done personally, I think – he, he deserves it. And like you mentioned, has missed games. But uh, in the time he has played, he's put up good numbers. And the big thing is he gets it done on the other side of the court, too, the defensive side. So that's something I want to look towards, too, and not just reward offense, reward some defense here and there. And I think he's one of the guys that puts up good numbers offensively and dominates defensively, which doesn't get enough credit in this NBA. So uh, that's why I'm going to go with him for this one. Yeah, I think you can't go wrong with either of those guys, but I gave Ingram the nod just because Paul George has only played 26 games so far, and I don't know. I I'm, I'm, might I might be wrong. It might be Paul George, but we'll see what happens. Um, I think Ingram's had an incredible year, and we're going to see what this team in New Orleans has in them now that Zion's back. So let's move on to the East. I think we're going to have a lot more disagreements on this side just because of how tough it is to pick the reserves. But the starters for me are pretty clear-cut, just like the West. So I don't know if you find it that way. So let me hear your starters. Yeah, so I think it is pretty simple. Let's start with the easiest one to pick, being Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, having a great year, like he typically does. Um, there's, <laughs> there's not really any um, confusion for this. I, I think every single person has... Giannis in their uh, all-star starters so um, not surprised here and obviously he's having another great year from what he's had last year he's up in points he's a little bit down field goal percentage he's up dramatically in three-point percentage uh, and then everything else is pretty much on par so considering everything he obviously deserves this nod next uh, I'm going with Siakam I think he absolutely deserves this too he's averaging insane numbers which he might win most improved player back to back which is incredible but to average 25 points eight rebounds uh while being a great defender is impressive and to see what the raptors have done 
sitting uh, in a good spot in that Eastern Conference. He deserves credit when credit's due, and uh, he definitely deserves this spot to go alongside Giannis. Uh, third guy, uh, I'm going with Kemba. I think he is a fantastic guard, and I've been a huge fan of Kemba his whole career, and he's lit it up in Boston this year, doing what they need to do. They're, they're winning games, and he's a big part of that, averaging about 23 points a game, six assists. He's, he's done great. Uh, last starter for me, no, sorry, second to last. <laughs> uh, you only want to start four I know, guys, seriously. Huh? The, the fifth guy doesn't deserve it. Um, <laughs> but indeed, I think he deserves that starting spot. Um, averaging around 23-12, blocks a game. I think he's the best center in the Eastern Conference. I don't think that's even close. Um, and I think he's the best center in the NBA. But this season, obviously, it's been an interesting one for him, up and down, but I still think there's no one you can start over him. Uh, certainly not Bam Adebayo. So uh, I'm liking Embiid for that spot. And then my last spot, I'm going with Trey Young. He's putting up great numbers. What? Yep, he's putting up great numbers. And I've always been a proponent of, you know, don't weigh team success that much. Well, no, I do weigh it a lot. But at the end of the day, he's averaging 29 points a game and eight assists. Like, I know I, talk, I was talking about defense uh, earlier, and he's not a great defender. But what he's done, I think he deserves that starting spot as the other guard. And I, I don't know what other guard to put over him, especially considering the numbers that he's produced. Um, he's putting up high percentages, too, averaging uh, 45% field goal percentage, 37 from three. And like I mentioned, 8.6 assists. Like, it's incredible. I know they're doing bad. I know they're doing horrible. But what he's done has been remarkable. And I think because of that, I don't want to hold him back. And I think he deserves a star here. Yeah, I kind of have a personal rule where you have to win more than 10 games through the first 44 to even make the all-star team. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, Trey Young. Um, (laughs) You're my new Devin Booker. I think that you put up great numbers for a guy that can't win any games. And that's absolutely crazy. And you're like, oh, I don't know who, maybe I should put someone else at this guard position. Oh, I don't know, maybe the guy that's the best player on the number two seed in the East, maybe he deserves to be an all-star starter. You know, your guy, Jimmy Butler. Oh, um, God, Jimmy? It's, it's 100% Jimmy Butler. He is going to be the starter on this team. Trey Young, I don't even think is going to make the all-star team. I don't have him on my list. Um, good stats, bad team guy, Jimmy Butler is averaging 20 points per game. He's averaging, what is it, seven rebounds, six assists. Like, he's having an incredible all-around year. Not to mention that he's taking this Heat team from a team that didn't even make the playoffs. And all they did was add him in for Josh Richardson's spot. And all of a sudden, they're 30-13, and 19-1 and at home. And this is a team that I thought before the year was going to have a lot of success. And they've gone out and even exceeded what I thought they were going to do. I think this team's a contender in the East. I think that it's pretty clear that Jimmy Butler should be a starter on this team. And I am shocked that you don't have him. <laughs> I, I'm more impressed by what Trey's doing. i got to be honest. And Jimmy Butler's having uh, career lows in shooting percentage and three-point percentage. Um, 
So obviously that's not encouraging. Uh, sorry, that's outside of his rookie year, but um, it's not encouraging for me. And, you know, sure, they're winning games. I think there's other aspects to that other than him, but he has done great for them, and I definitely think he's an all-star. But I think I'm more impressed by what Trey's doing, and, yeah, I know you you don't like uh, – good success on, on bad teams, but I think it, not everyone can do what he's doing, so fair enough. Yeah, I just like my players to not be 10 and 34, but I guess we accept losing on <laughs> well, the other Well, he's not the GM, is he? Well, I mean, their team's not this bad. Like, they should be better than uh, Cleveland and New York. They should be. If he's an all-star, they should be better than those teams, but I can't believe you said Trey Young. Okay, let's move on to the bench. Um, my, the rest of my starters were all the same. Kemba, Giannis, Siakam, yeah. and Embiid to go along with Jimmy Butler. On the bench, I think there's four locks in the Eastern Conference, and then there's three spots that are pretty up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want you want to go? I don't know. Do you have more cocaine or over there you got to snort before we <laughs> move on to this Christ. next topic? What's going on over there? I can't there? wait until Trey becomes a starter. Uh, if he's a starter... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to riot. Um, sure, I'll go. Um, my first spot, uh, I don't think he's a lock. I think he might get in. I'm going with Jimmy Butler. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I think he'll definitely get in. Um, uh, don't get me wrong. I think he's a, he's a great player, but uh, I think he's going to be right outside of the starting lineup. Next up, I'm going with Jason Tatum. I think he deserves it, his first all-star nod. The Boston Celtics have played great, and the numbers he's putting up uh, have been encouraging, which is uh, definitely an increase from last year. And I know a lot of people had uh, certain expectations uh, at certain times, but to improve from 15 points a game to 21, um, even though his percentages have dipped a little, he had to kind of take a step up in role. Uh, and be a better player, and I think he has done that in most aspects. Uh, Next up, uh, I'm going to go with Bradley Beal, another guy who hasn't had a lot of team success, but his numbers speak for themselves. He's averaging uh, right around 28 points a game, and he's taking over kind of an assist role where he's averaging a lot of assists to go along with his uh, shooting stats. I think it's, it's something to reward him for sure. Right now, he's averaging around six assists, uh, and his percentages aren't uh, too bad. His three or his percentages from f- the field and three-point percentage have gone down since last year, but uh, they're still relatively high. His three-point percentage has dipped to 31, while his field goal is at 44. So it's around the average, but averaging 27 points, I think six assists deserves uh, an Eastern Reserve spot. Uh, moving on. Uh, Chris Middleton, I think he also deserves a spot. You have to take success, as, as uh, you like to say, but um, a lot of people, you have to look at success. And what he's done uh, being the number two option on the best team in the league is impressive, uh, averaging 19 points a game, uh, playing good defense, and kind of being that secondary star to go with Giannis, I think is impressive. Um, okay, so... I'm, next up, I'm going to go with Bam out of Ohio. He's kind of come onto the scene, and a lot of people love him. Uh, not super high on him, but I do think he's a good player, and obviously I think he deserves that other spot here um, as the all-star reserves. 
they've had a good year, and he's kind of been the breakout guy for them, averaging almost double what he did last year in points, uh, shooting almost 60% from the field. Not a... <coughs> Sorry, not a three-point shooter, but everything else has gone up. His rebounds have gone up. His assists gone up. Steals, blocks, everything has gone up. And uh, he's he, he looks like a great player. And what he can do outside of just posting up, he can actually kind of handle the ball a little bit uh, and run the floor. It's impressive. So I think he deserves that other center spot. Uh, moving on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Ben Simmons. I think, I think he gets the uh, other guard spot. I think it's controversial. Some people think he deserves it. He's having a bad year compared to last year. Um, recently, from since Embiid has gone out, his numbers have gone up dramatically, uh, averaging over 20 points since for the past six games. Uh, percentages, rebounds, assists, everything's gone up. Um, but overall, his year this year hasn't been as good. He's averaging 16 points. He's shooting 58%. Uh, he's shooting 40% from three, absolute elite numbers. <laughs> um, and his assists has, have gone up to around nine. So, um, And that's not even mentioning his defensive ability where I think he's one of the best defenders in the league. So I think he gets that spot for me as the reserves. And this last one was hard for me. I think you have two more. No, I think I have one. Oh, no, you said Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I'm wrong. Finally, I got it right. Um, I I am struggling with this, but I'm going to throw the Pacers a bone and give it to Sabonis. I think he's having a great year. Um, he's averaging career stats. Obviously, he got rewarded with um, that big contract in the summer, but uh, it shows that they knew what they were what they were buying, per se. In this guy, uh, he's getting about ten more minutes a game this year, and he's putting up about four more points. He's averaging eighteen points a game, still shooting a really high field goal percentage, fifty three. Uh, his three point numbers have dipped dramatically, which is a little concerning, but uh, he still can shoot a little bit. And everything else has gone up. Rebounds, he's averaging thirteen, which is super impressive, and uh, four assists, and getting it done there. So a young kid, he's twenty three years old, but still super talented, and I think. I'm going to give him that last spot in the Eastern Conference and that last forward spot. Yeah, I my four locks, I think Ben Simmons, because of this latest run and because the last time we talked about him when I was super concerned and he was only averaging, I think it was 13 points per game, it's up to 16 now, and he's still averaging 8.5 assists, 8 rebounds, and then like you said, he's a great defender, 2 steals and a block a game. Like, the all-around package of Ben Simmons, I think, makes him a lock for the All-Star team, especially considering it's in the East. If it was in the West, I don't know if he would make it, Mm -hmm. but because it's the East, I think he's in. I also have Bam Adebayo as a lock. I think that because of the way the Heat are playing and because he's kind of morphed into a Draymond Mm Green-type player for them where he can really handle the ball, he can facilitate, and he's a great defender, I think he's going to make it. He's took a really big step forward this year and was one of the main reasons I thought the Heat team was going to be really good this year. Next, I also have Jason Tatum as a lock. Um, Like you said, his average is up. The team is having a really good year. And I also think he's another one of those young guys that's in the second or third year that's taken that leap. 
I have Sabonis as a lock. Oh, interesting. Um, he's averaging 18 points per game and 13 rebounds. And like you said, the Pacers, they probably deserve to have an all-star. So I thought that he is the most likely of the two guys that they have considered to make it. And because of their team success, where they're 28 and 16 right now, a half a game out of the fifth seed with you guys and the Sixers, because of how bad the rest of the conference is, I think they're going to get one. And I actually gave them two bones, not just one bone. I oh. gave them two all-stars. Oh. So, so bonus was my lock, but one of my three guards that I think are on the bubble is Malcolm Brogdon, and I ended up giving him that spot just because of how much he's meant to that team. I was a really big critic of the Bucs for not re-signing this guy. Mm-hmm. I thought he fit perfectly with what they wanted to do. He played incredible for them in the playoffs. He was the point guard that they should have signed instead of Eric Bledsoe. And now there's rumors today that they're looking to trade Bledsoe. So yeah. they really messed up on this one. I know they didn't think he could stay healthy, and he has missed some games. He's only played 32 of their 44 games this year, but when he's been out there, he's been the quarterback of that team. He's averaging almost 18 points per game and seven assists, and defensively, he's been really, really good for them as well, and I just think of how much he means for them setting up their offense, and like I said, being the point guard of that team without Oladipo in there, he's been that important to this team where I feel like I wanted to give him the recognition along with Sabonis and let them both be all-stars this year. Mm -hmm. So I have two other guards, and there's a lot of guys you can look at, so I'm just going to read the guys that I was considering. Middleton, Jalen Brown, Kyle Lowry, Kyrie Irving has only played 16 games, but, I mean, his stats compared to the rest of these guys is kind of unreal. Spencer Dinwiddie, another Nets guy that's filled in nicely for Kyrie. Um, Bradley Beal, I thought... Vucevic was maybe you want to put him on the bubble there, um, but he's also missed a lot of games. And then I guess I'll throw the couple of the good stats, bad team guys there on the bubble with Trey Young and Zach Levine, but I don't think they're going to make it. So my last two spots, I ended up giving it to Chris Middleton, more because of the team success rather than his individual success. The Bucks are winning by an average of 13 points per game. Do you know how unbelievable that is? 13 yeah. points per game. They're 39-6 and six right now. Like, this team, regular season-wise, has the potential to be one of the greatest we've ever seen in the history of the NBA. And that's after they lost Brogdon. I thought they were going to take a step back as a regular season team, but they did the exact opposite, and they're playing even better than they did last year. So I think Middleton, because of that, is going to make it. And then my last spot, I'm reluctantly putting Bradley Beal in there because he doesn't have a lot of team success like you mentioned. But I just think that because he's averaging 27 points per game, and unlike Trey Young, he actually plays defense, (laughs) I'm going to give him the nod. So Bradley Beal, I think you're going to make the all-star team for the second year in a row. And I don't know. Maybe you could go with someone else in that spot, but the East is pretty weak in comparison to the West where – like, I think DeMar DeRozan, Paul George, Rudy Gobert would all probably be close to locks yeah. if they were in the East. Yeah, you're right. Definitely. There's a lot of guys that could be considered. A lot of fringe guys in the East, too, um, that are around there. But overall, we have pretty uh, similar lists, except for Trey Young. 
Uh, that's the one. Get that man's out of here. He deserves it, dog. <laughs> no. I think he might make it just because there's a lot of people that think like you and just see the 29 and 9 or whatever he's averaging. But, like, he's like a – he's not just like a negative on the defensive end. Like, people compare him to Steph. He's like a, like a negative 10,000 on the defensive end. He is awful defensively. And he's one of the main reasons why this Hawks team's so bad defensively. So, I don't know. I, I, I find it hard to believe that at this point in his career, he should make the all-star team. That's not to say he can't do it in the future, like Devin Booker did. He's proved me wrong the next couple of years. But, like, you have to win more than 10 games to make my all-star team. Yeah, I mean, it's valid. I, I still think it's, you know, Kemba won 23 games last, last year when he was a starter. But... I think a lot of that had to do with the hometown thing. Yeah, it makes but sense. His, I get that. His stats were still like to the point where they were in the playoff discussion a little bit as well. Like the Hawks are ten games out of the playoffs, and that's in the East. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I I'm not a huge fan. I think player performance should be the most important thing, and you know they can't control the other four guys in the court. Like that's more the GM, but. It is what it is. I think I think we'll see what happens, but I think Young deserves it. But who cares? Um, I care. <laughs> um, Keep Trey Young out of the All Star oh, game. Jesus, right. let's start the hashtag. He, yeah, yeah. I, I really hope he's a starter. That'd be amazing. Um, <laughs> are we doing bets? No, just end the episode there, and then we'll recap the bets next week because we're already long. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Well, that's all we have for you. This was a long episode. Uh, sorry to put you through all this, or uh, you're welcome for giving you all this. <laughs> depends your uh, depends on your point of view. But uh, we did have bets last week, and we will be recapping them on the next episode. Oh, it's juicy. Um, I'm excited to talk about that. But for this episode, that's all we have. Hope you enjoyed. Packed uh, with NBA stuff. NFL stuff, but like I've mentioned in the past couple of pods, Super Bowl! <laughs> we will be talking Super Bowl, but once that's done, we're switching to primor- primarily uh, NBA. So we're looking forward to that, switching in the gear, switching mindset to talk about that. But for now, we still have the biggest game of the year to talk about, and we're excited about that one. So that's going to be another long pod where we kind of dive into the Chiefs versus 49ers game. Uh, that's all we have for you for this episode. Hope you enjoy. And have a nice day.